Hello and welcome back to Talking Kinky. Tom is here with me and we are ready for an epic journey together in episode four, where we're exploring a topic that's often whispered about, anal play. We're delving into the language, history, biology, and even the literary aspects behind it. Hello everyone, and yes, Isabel, we are going to travel up the North Mountain together. But before we do that, <laughs> um, this week we do need to spend a moment on a few things before we crack open that taboo. Mm-hmm. So first, thank you to all of our listeners for our feedback. We love it. We are real humans and we need real feedback. And it seems like, for the most part, we're doing okay. And I will quote someone, please keep it coming. Uh, and number two, there have been many positive responses uh, to cuckolding. That it appears, however, there may be some confusion uh, between a threesome and cuckolding, Isabel. Okay, so for clarity and in summary, while a threesome is a shared sexual experience among all parties involved, cuckolding is more about the arousal and enjoyment derived from one partner being involved sexually with someone else, often Mm. under the observation of their primary partner. A threesome involves three people engaging in sexual activity together, and it is usually characterised by mutual participation and consent of all parties involved. Tom? Well, so, and by contrast, cuckolding uh, as a scenario, uh, one partner, often referred to as the cuckold, derives pleasure from watching or knowing their partner, sometimes known as the hot wife, that's of course if they're female, um, is engaging in sexual activity with another person. Uh, It often involves, though, elements of humiliation, submission, voyeurism, all for the cuckold. I think I may be more threesome than cuckold. Yeah, me too. Okay. (laughs) Thank you for those queries, and we hope that it helps our listeners with clear differentiation. Also, speaking of listeners, we would like to recognise and say thank you to the over a thousand followers for the nearly 40,000 plays. More specifically, the quick order in which we hit 17,000 plays of episode three. Thank Thank you, you, thank you, thank you. you. And and seriously, it is immense. It's completely blown our minds and uh, exceeded our expectations. So now I know, Isabel, that you are absolutely itching to discuss titivating the back door. (laughs) Uh, but I do want to just spend a moment on R for him and for her pheromone spray experiment. And I can say that thus far, the response is mixed. Uh, so I've worn it for a week so far, and some find it overwhelmingly positive, and some others find it maybe a little negative. On the most part, it's been positive. So mostly positive comments. I do think using the spray sparingly is important. Um, you don't need a lot to get a response. I have asked people their thoughts, and I would estimate about 70% love it, both men and women, which is really interesting. Uh, And to be clear, it's not unpleasant as a fragrance, because I don't want anyone to get that misconception. It's lovely, sweet, vanilla, musk, subtle undertones of sex. Um, I'm not actually actively trying to solicit a relationship with them, so it's really hard to get, like, any provocation questions as to how how does it make people feel. Um, but I have heard fizzing inside and breathtaking in a sensual way. Um, my partner, on the other hand, doesn't really love it. How about you, Isabel? Well, to be open, um, the for him scent that you've been wearing definitely gets my body responding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I've not had the opportunity to wear for her yet. Um, I will do so. So listen in for future feedback on my pheromone adventures. Um, but Tom, take a note to self on recording days. I don't think it needs to be worn. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to the subject of uh, episode four. We are going to look at anal, the euphemisms that you may have heard, the slang 
We're going to look at some of the history, maybe some of the biological sides of anal play. And this episode is meant to be a little bit educational, a little bit eye-opening, and as always, a bit cheeky with some adult themes. So for our listeners, there are adult themes in this podcast. Before we get started, Tom, our audience may be wondering why we've chosen to talk exclusively about anal play for women in this episode. Well, you see, anal sex is often shrouded in taboo, particularly for women. By openly discussing it, we hope to destigmatize this aspect of female sexuality, promoting a more sex positive culture. Well, it, that's great. And it's worth noting that there's actually also, interestingly, a lack of sex education regarding anal. It's not something that's te- technically on the agenda. And especially uh, for women, it's not. Um, so hopefully in this episode, we'll be able to give you some valuable information, maybe dispel some of the myths that are in your mind, give you some factual knowledge about safe and pleasurable practices. So should we look at some of the history, maybe some of the literature? And I love the euphemisms. Oh, yes. OK, let's go. Anal play isn't a new trend. It's been part of human sexuality for centuries with references in historical texts and art from ancient civilizations like Greece and Rome. Well, speaking of Greece, anal sex was different there. In fact, especially amongst females, it was often considered a way to have intimacy, but without um, losing one's virginity. Oh, okay. (laughs) That certainly is an alternative form. It's not just in history. Literature has its share of references too, sometimes veiled in metaphors and euphemisms. This shows both the presence and the complexity of how society viewed female anal play and anal play in general. Here are a few euphemisms our listeners may have heard of. Go for it. Backdoor, a relatively mild and somewhat playful term. Rear entry, a euphemism that is more descriptive of the act. Booty play, a casual and less explicit term. Greek style, uh, older euphemism that references historical practices. The other door, (laughs) a more indirect and less explicit way of referring to it. Taking the back road, a metaphorical and somewhat playful euphemism. (laughs) Uh, Playing in the backyard, another metaphorical and less direct term. Or the one you made up, Tom. Yes, indeed. Take me up the North Mountain. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so from taking the back road to uncharted waters, our language definitely reflects this shyness or taboo topic. Um, And I think it's a way of talking about it without really talking about it. And this is kind of why Talking Kinky exists. Oh, definitely. Um, In recent literature, there is a growing body of research exploring women's experiences and perceptions regarding anal sex. One notable study, the second OMG Yes Pleasure Report, used nationally representative data to investigate women's preferences and experiences with anal stimulation and penetration. This study aimed to bridge the gaps in the literature about women's experiences with anal stimulation, emphasising the need for usable terminology and detailed understanding of different anal touch techniques to enhance sexual pleasure and communication with partners. Mm. So let's touch on the biology and anatomy. The anus and perineum are flooded with nerve endings. A pudendal nerve, which plays a significant role in the sensory and motor supply to the pelvic region, innovates both the anus and the vulva. Wow. So biologically, stimulation of the anus can indirectly affect the vulva and vaginal areas. That's amazing, isn't it? And actually, orgasmic pleasure is not just a one-way street. Anyway, let us not forget the G-spot. The rectum uh, is located very close to the posterior wall of the vagina, 
And apparently, during anal penetration, the pressure and movement can stimulate the back wall of the vagina, indirectly stimulating the G-spot. Well, this must be why, for some people, it is extremely pleasurable. Yeah. It's for all these reasons, and it's important to note that anal play requires patience and preparation. It's crucial to understand the anatomy to ensure it's enjoyable and safe. Absolutely, and not forgetting good communication, lots of lubrication, start slow, they're all very, very key for um, making it a pleasurable experience. Um, I'm going to spend a bit of time now on health and safety. I might change my voice for this. Let's talk health and safety. <laughs> In my experience of anal with a woman, uh, whilst it may feel like it may interrupt spontaneity, mm. I think it's really important to plan for everything and prepare. Um, and do that carefully. So you've got to think about douching, for an example. Um, it's also worth considering like starting slow, mm -hmm. trying maybe with fingers, perhaps your mouth, and get the area used to being stimulated. Don't just kind of, you know, penetrate. Yeah, I fully agree on here. Um, this starting slow, there is no pleasure in the pain of an unexpected or unplanned penetration of the back door. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and also hygiene is really important. Uh, so I think using the right tools, um, lubricant, the right lubricant, mm -hmm. the right toys. I think sometimes people fail to recognize that obviously the sphincters and entrance kind of designed really to keep stuff in and only let stuff out when it's intended. So sometimes if you're not careful and you use the wrong toy, um, you can end up with the toy being ingested all the way into the colon and that's really dangerous. Um, you only need to speak to people in A&E to um, you know, understand how dangerous because they end up with a volume of cases where they have to help them get it out. So please be careful. Absolutely, Tom. There are toys, also known as butt plugs, that are perfect for anal play as they have a stopper at the end. In fact, there is a study focused on examining anal sexual health, knowledge and products used among heterosexual women aged 18 to 30. The research highlighted that knowledge about anal sex was variable among participants, with significant themes revolving around risks of HIV, STIs, other infections and physical harm. The study underscored the importance of sexual health education, especially regarding anal sex, to address misconceptions and promote safe practices. Let's cover a couple of listener questions. Yes. So we asked you, our listeners, to send in some questions about anal play. And do you mind if we go through a couple? Oh, no. Let's go through a couple. All right. Over to you. Okay. One of those is this. Is my husband gay if he wants to have anal sex with me? No, not at all. Anal sex can be enjoyed by everyone in both giving and receiving, men and women, and that enjoyment should not come with judgment or a badge of sexual preference. We will talk about pegging in a future episode, which can involve the man being penetrated anally by their partner using a strap-on, normally by a female, but could also be other permutations. Yeah, and one of the other questions we had um, is about swapping from you know, anal uh, to vaginal penetration. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I can't say that word. Um, we strongly advise you not to do that. Uh, unless you're going to wash thoroughly in between. And remember, you know, it's very important to understand that the bacterial issues surrounding anal and vaginal penetration are very different situations to manage. Not worth mixing. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you for those insightful questions. We hope today's episode has shed some light on anal play from multiple angles, the euphemisms, the biology, and its place in history and literature. So Tom, before we close out episode four, we have a very special guest with us here in the studio at Talking Kinky. Yes, Isabel, we do. And it's a real treat to be the first to air someone super special in the world of kink. 
Now, some may say she is a natural evolution of Bridget Jones and Fleabag. And ladies and gentlemen, it's Sarah Tink, the every woman of kink, here in the studio with us. Hello, Sarah. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here on Talking Kinky. So, Sarah, we would love a quick intro into your kink mission. For our episode four listeners, I believe you're going to share one of your favourite anecdotes about anal from a woman's perspective. My mission, yes, that's a great word. I'm on a journey of kink discovery that aims to explore how it can be additive in our lives, promote greater self-awareness and help us to occupy a growth mindset and the community aspects too, just like talking kinky. So why not start with anal, the final frontier? (laughs) Frankly, to me, it holds more taboo than group sex. And I've made a point of trying to understand why. I always aim to be raw and real in my musings on the wonderful world of sex. And I'm going to read you an extract from my latest post on Substack. Is that substack.com? Yes, that's right. So here's my story. 20 years after a brief accidental arrival in the rectal lobby, (laughs) I'm now teetering on the edge of anal. If I want it, I can have it. I'm lucky to be in a non-judgmental dynamic characterised by experimentation and trust. So anything is possible. It begs the question, are there any lingering barriers to entry? Honestly, I'm scared of shitting myself. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's common. When I unpick it, it's as straightforward as that. And then I have the lightning bolt. If I'm really, really worried, I can go full health and safety on this thing and position myself on all fours <laughs> in the clinical security and privacy of my bathroom. <laughs> yes, it's an option. And use the smallest and slimmest of my electrical friends to test out the situation. If the worst happens, I'll be in the perfect place to sort it all out and nobody need ever know. My slimmest and smallest electrical friends. I love that, Sarah. Listen, Sarah, thank you so much for being with us today. That was bloody awesome. Now, to our listeners, having read the entire piece, it is really laugh out loud, bum-clenchingly funny. And that's on sarahtink.substack.com. Remember, Talking Kinky is all about exploring sexuality with an open mind. So please stay curious and respectful. Um, And Isabel, what's up next? Well, next up is I'm all right and airtight. (laughs) Which which is... um... Tom, I'm disappointed. A seasoned, experienced man like yourself does not know what airtight is. Oh. Okay, well... I will say this, there are three orifices for a woman, and if they're all full, then technically you are airtight. Crikey, it's getting hot in the studio. Okay, so please do join join us next time for an airtight, kinky discussion. I am Tom. And I'm Isabel. Stay curious, stay safe, and embrace your kinky side with joy and respect. You've been listening to Talking Kinky.